All right, we can talk about your sunglasses later and your addiction <laughs> to the sunshine. Don't so, be, uh, hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans, it's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. So without further ado, we get to introduce our guest, the one, the only, Mr. Jason Kiefer. How I pronounce your name even close to correct. You are absolutely correct, actually. Outstanding. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, who you are, what you do, you know, the works. I am a brand new paranormal fantasy author. I live in upstate New York. I have two kids. One of them just got married, actually. Um, Congrats. I'm a, thank you. Uh, she married a Brit, so she's a traitor. But, um, <clears throat> you know, we... Uh, I Does write that make scripts. Fourth of July awkward. I think so. I think it will. I, I want to take him to Boston and show him. <laughs> Good old like, hey, this is cow pens. You lost here. This battle, but yeah, no. You got to take him to the Green Monster. <laughs> Definitely. If you're going to Beantown, you got to go. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. As a lifelong Sox fan, well, I'm a Mets fan. So okay. Hey, I I, I don't judge everybody. Loves their teams and they love them passionately, and I'm totally cool with that. Just like I, I got born into the Sox life, so oh, fourth generation, fourth generation Mets fan. Yeah, My grandparents grew up in uh, New York City. They were from Brooklyn. They were Dodger fans, and when the Giants and Dodgers left New York, there was no such thing as baseball. So the Mets came back, and then I grew up with you know watching every baseball game. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I'd be watching it right now. I was watching the end game last night, and they're like, you know, he talked, he talked. You know, we both talked about how we missed the Mets. So, yeah, Yeah. it's a great scene. Absolutely a great scene. I love baseball. It's sad to me that it's not as much of America's sport anymore. Yeah, and it's weird growing up, you know, because we seem to be around the same age, you know, where baseball was America's pastime. Absolutely. I, I I, I miss being able to talk baseball with my granddad. Yeah. It was one of the oh, cool yeah. things ever, you know, because like absolutely all the wealth of knowledge and stats that I never cared about were just getting poured into my ear. Sure. You know. So Oh, awesome. I miss it. I miss I miss it. Hey, message me anytime you want to talk baseball, I'll be happy to do it with you. All right, man. I love baseball. It's Aww. it's my only sport. Um all right, I never but- played anything else. All right, but you were introducing uh, introducing yourself before Sorry. I derailed the conversation. Talking, somebody life, started bro. mocking the British, and then we were talking baseball. I'm not sure where that. Oh, I love mocking the British. Baseball is life. I mean, that's, well, in, in I, the I really, of, you know, in the maybe I'll write a baseball book. Write <laughs> baseball urban fantasy. There you go. Okay, we'll roll into that. Actually, it takes place in New York and partially in New York City. So. Awesome. You can you can add that to it. Um, Talk about I, a city where it's a character. What'd you say? It's a city where it's a character. Oh, absolutely. I didn't use it too much because it pretty much takes place in my hometown up here in upstate New York. Most of it takes place in the city nearest to me and in my actual hometown. And then we move into New York City for a period and come back. So, But um, yeah, I'm a script writer. That's what I did before I started writing novels. I work for the OPWDD for the state of New York. Um, I'm a minister. Uh, I was a praise and worship leader for awesome. 20 years. Um, yeah. Pastor's kid. Grand pastor's kid. All of my family. You got to behave now. No, you don't have to behave. It's okay. 
So <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm the resident Catholic of the group. So. Oh, well, you know, my best friend is a um, retired Navy chief. And another one of my best friends is retired army medic. So I hear. Oh, absolutely. And I worked armor truck for 20 years. So they were all like, oh, military. And, yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> but, you know, it's awesome. not a big deal. All right. So the next part of the introduction, dear listener, is how we found them. So I actually met Jason through uh, through some of the writing communities that we're both a part of. Uh, I think it was the Dead Robot Society, right? It was the Dead Robots. So it's all Terry Mixon's fault. And, I blame uh, Terry. And we'll blame Terry uh, for everything, including getting it wrong with who's the main character. Have you read his uh, Have you read his Empire Bone series? I have read five of them. Okay. So Kelsey... Or Jared is the main character. Let's see if you're going to get settle this for Kelsey. Kelsey is the main character. Okay, yes! Where's the kick button? Where's the kick button? All I right. mean, come on. Let's we be honest. Veronica Jaguar is the narrator of the audiobooks. That in itself should show you that if a female is narrating it, that she is the main character. Yes. I think that Veronica is very capable of embracing her inner manliness. <laughs> And so I will not sell her ability short, sir. Well, that's true, but come on. I mean, I for her to hurt you. Wrong. I, I would no. have to say though Wrong. that I think that's a sheer sign that Kelsey, Kelsey is. We stuck. did an episode on this. I know, and they were all wrong. Oh, you <laughs> were wrong. Everybody else was on on the point, on nose. You were the only one that had this half baked idea about who the primary character was. Wrong. So, Oh, I Before think it's we get the, too um, far derailed about their insanity. Engineer, <laughs> you're lucky. I love you, Jr. So yeah, uh, I'm giving you some pineapple pizza. Oh you God, evil, That's nasty. evil, evil, evil. So, okay. how well, did you we'll first? On. We'll talk about meet, pizza. How, how did you first eat? Uh, eat meet uh, or hear of Jason? Did either one of you know him first? Nice to meet you. So, hi guys. No. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm Jay. I'm an alcoholic now. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm also one. What kind of drink you want? I'll mix it up. I don't go to meetings. Okay. He's not a quitter. No, I go to parties. That's different. No, I'm not a quitter. I'm not an alcoholic because I don't go to meetings. Yeah. So now that we've established this, and I'm betting I can guess which one, religion-wise, Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? He's a fly guy. I know it. No, he's a Star Wars guy. Oh, there we go. Star Wars guy. I actually probably... I love it. I am definitely Star Wars. Although I grew up with both Star Trek and Star Wars, so it was kind of eat neck and neck until probably the 90s when the Star Wars books started coming out and I just absorbed the Star Wars books. Love Thrawn. Love the Air of the Empire series. Can't stand a lot of what Disney's doing now. Although I really like The Mandalorian and I actually love the new Thrawn books. I have all of them. I just got the newest one. Um, so Star Wars probably is number one still. I just think it's a fun universe. Oh, it's absolutely. How did you celebrate Star Wars Day today? Because um, it is Star Wars Day. I it's just. Uh, you know that. Yeah, it's May the 4th. Um, I honestly did a whole lot. I had to mow the lawn. I had to do a bunch of stuff. So I wore Star Wars stuff and wore Star Wars masks when I went to the store. But that was really about the best I did. Oh, I, I, and of I course, my circle blades. <laughs> you know, I celebrated Star Wars Day. How did you celebrate Star Wars Day? I listened to Legacy, the Galaxy's Edge season two opener. Woo! Star Wars as it uh, should have been. I watched A New Hope, and we were in the middle of Return of the Jedi when I came on here. Oh, 
So that's and Doc I'm... just blew things up in her lab because she's a mad scientist. And she's oh. making the T virus, she's so uh, she's gonna get zombies. That would be awesome. Uh, I read a book. Apra is a, who's a mad scientist in the Star Wars universe. There's a dark I, Jedi scientist. I read or, I mean, uh, oh, actually. What's I'm her reading name? Amy Duboff's uh, cat, uh, Catacle series. Okay, that's what I did today for fun. So, I'm reading the Dresden Files. Oh, all right. Now let's well, ask. That is an urban fantasy pillar. Oh, I want to say something sacrilegious, though. I have yeah. never watched Firefly. Don't tell me. I've seen like two episodes. Sorry. We're You've got homework now. <laughs> you presented that, and then, like, now I got to hand you repeatedly until you watch it. I know. I just, you may like it better than Star Wars. I doubt it. I have watched one or two episodes. It's a close second. As I'm a huge Star Wars fan, like I told you off camp, you know, off air, is that like Lucasfilm threw up in my living room. <laughs> but the the Firefly series is probably the closest thing you're going to get to Star Wars without it being Star Wars. Okay. Um, it, it's it's a good show. It's it, it's just a fun ride. It's only one season. Then you have the movie. But I did watch the movie. Actually, I did watch the movie. Serenity is a really good movie. Yeah, and everybody was like, "Oh, well, you got to watch the show now." But you already watched the movie, which is like the end. Of well, the and show. that was the beauty of the movie too. Is like you don't need to watch the show because the movie was written and scripted in such a way that it was a standalone. You didn't need to know anything prior to that. Yeah. You know, it was it was just a really good standalone movie. I do like Alan Tudyk. Oh God, he he's my favorite droid in the Star Wars universe. Oh, absolutely, hands down. Okay. So, religion-wise, since you brought yeah. up fantasy, and I'm hardcore seg segueing back into the questions here. Gotcha. Sorry. Sorry. That's fine. Mix ADD. It's okay. I'm pretty sure. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I am, so it's okay. But fantasy, religion, Star. Uh, sorry, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, hmm? or Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Fuck yeah. I didn't have to think about it. Harry Potter's awesome. Don't be wrong. Um, Westeros. Eh, is it though? Uh, it's Star Wars with shitty lightsabers. I mean, okay. <laughs> I just I think they're because I watch the Harry Potter movies with my kids every year. That there was something special about Harry Potter, um, but Lord of the Rings is the f I wouldn't say it's the first fantasy book I ever read. Uh, the first fantasy book I ever read was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm but, starting to think it's a very generational thing. Great book. Yeah. Well, I'm 46, so I grew up. You know, my age than you guys, children. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with, I grew up with comic books and Garfield, and then yeah. moved to Star Trek, and then The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe kind of sold me on fantasy. Those are great that books. Was, that, that, that was whole serious. Uh, it's uh, not my fault that I grew up knowing all this stuff. <laughs> I am the result of what happens when people like us keep the kid and breathe. <laughs> okay, favorite comic book. Favorite comic book? Wow. Um, ooh, dang, it's been a while. Um, I was a big Spider-Man, X-Man fan, so I read. X I, I collected X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, Spider-Man, Web of Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, oh, and the Amazing Spider-Man. And so the Maximum Carnage series, I loved. Um, I actually liked Spider-Man twenty ninety nine a lot. Yeah, with Miguel. Yeah, that, that is a great series. Uh, it was the only of the twenty ninety nine I liked. 
But that was kind of the 90s were late 80s, 90s were kind of my thing. So the Infinity Gauntlet series, which they made into the movies, I grew up with that. That was the big series when I was a kid. I I would have to say when I was real little, I actually read G.I. Joe and Transformers. And I still have a partialness to G.I. Joe and Transformers. Forget too, the um, uh, Larry Hanna? Hama? Yeah, I don't know. Those were amazing. They were. It's just great storytelling all around. It was, just, yeah. It, was yeah. fun, it was a fun ride. It was. Yes. So now that we've covered religion, since you know we've talked both about sci-fi and fantasy, which one was your first love, though? Um, as far as reading, I would have to say fantasy, but Star Trek really was kind of my introduction into full hardcore reading. Um, when I was a kid, again, comic books were the thing. I read Garfield. I read that kind of stuff. And in third grade, my teacher made us do a book report, and I didn't know what to read. She handed me The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and that got me reading. But then after that, I kind of moved into Star Trek. But if you would have to, other than Star Trek, I didn't really read sci-fi. So okay. I rolled into fantasy, but I'm and I'm going to show my generation. I really read Dragonlance in the Forgotten Realms. That's what really got me into reading hardcore reading um ari mm-hmm. salvatore margaret weiss and tracy hickman they were like the ones and i still read their books i still have them all and i read them periodically yeah they are fabulous yeah and um so you are definitely our fantasy man so yeah what was your first memory of engaging watching or playing the games in the genre which um, one like- well, this is kind of like a dealing with both of them as a whole, but let's deal with fantasy since your book. Okay. We'll keep on the fantasy train. Yeah. JR, don't go there. <laughs> I think he I was, No, I was about to say something inappropriate, but then I oh. realized that my joke could go more ways than I wanted. So I'm just going to say, okay. He likes to occasionally slop up this uh, misnomer banner that says Pern is a fantasy. Because, uh, <laughs> JR doesn't know what science is. Okay. Well, he still thinks the force is real. It's the crux. Get it right. <laughs> the force is absolutely. Metachlorians aren't real, but the force is. The force is. I mean, I'm going to. Yeah. Well, intermolecular right. forces are real, but, you know. <laughs> I'm writing paranormal urban fantasy. So. <laughs> Uh, nice. Well, we could get into some weird discussions about my experiences, but I I, I'm cool. I, I'm like all about some weird conversations. Let's do this. <laughs> every conversation. <laughs> Pretty much every show we do turns into I think that's yeah. why they keep coming back. Um I think so. That's why I watch. <laughs> so, thank you. But definitely so, because of this. <laughs> well, I love the glasses though. I know oh, yeah. uh, it's because I'm hungover. I actually, you know. But they because were glaring. They to be Tony Stark, but so okay. he's wearing Tony Stark glasses. But I'm, I just I'm, wanted money. Cap, so oh, try and keep this. I didn't so, really the for the whole team. We are getting. The how whole did team. your love of the genre transition into you writing the stories in speculative fiction? Um, how did it transition to writing? I mean, I I was writing ever since I was a kid. Really, uh, I wanted to write a fantasy series when I was young but I wanted to write comics more. So I kind of bantered more with that. As far as games, I mean, obviously I play D&D. Um, 
but I haven't played D&D in a long time. We actually transitioned into the Marvel role-playing game and the DC okay. role-playing game. And so we used to roll characters and play them and yeah. then create our little worlds around that. So that's kind of how, as a matter of fact, the characters in my book are based off of a comic series that we had actually kind of worked on when we were younger. It's all my stuff, but you know, we had kind of, we would roll characters, we would create the characters, play them in the game and then see how they worked. And then I would then go back and develop storylines for them. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what I love about like role playing games like D and D and the and the the Marvel RPG. You know, it it opens up so many options for st storytelling. Which it is does. Great. It does. I enjoyed and social the skills training. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need social skills as long as I got some like hardcore D and D. I knew somebody who had I, a really hard time recognizing authority figures, and so we did some social skills with, and and it was knocked up stop this person is a level 20 mage just stop <laughs> and they, and they understood that meant they needed to shut up and my level nine mage i'm over here just overly confident going like okay so here's a quick story <laughs> my, <I> get <laughs> my daughter actually married the guy she met who she he was the dungeon master in her online dungeons and dragons game no yeah. wow. so it's like a chip off the old block yeah there you go even if he is a brit He's a Brit. He's a Brit. Oh. oh, I know. Right, well, well, you do I know guess, the Queen Jr., right? I guess serve tea at the wedding and remind. She's single now too, so I might have a chance. You, you might. You might. She, you, she's a sugar mama. Look there. There you go. She's looking so, for somebody. Many authors let their real life experience influence the stories they tell. So, were there any specific formidable moments for you that shaped you as a storyteller? Uh yeah, lots. Absolutely lots. <laughs> Would you care to elaborate? Uh, well, wow. Um, wow, I don't know how much I want to elaborate on this one. Um, <laughs> the uh, then Make it up. Sell us a story. Give us a sweet little lie. Well, the character in my book has what I call the dark gaze, and it's based off of the way I kind of viewed the world when I was younger. And also, I, I mean, I write paranormal urban fantasy because I think we all write what we know about. And I have had a lot of experiences with paranormal. So I guess dealing with demons and angels and things of that nature. So it kind of goes with the territory of what I've experienced as a kid um, and what I've experienced as an adult, what I've experienced even in ministry, even though it's fiction. Um, it still kind of goes with a lot of what I've dealt with, I guess. So, so it, it makes kind of sense for me to kind of transition to writing this. When you say the things you've dealt with, you mean from your time in the ministry? Both in my time as a ministry and just personally. Okay. So um, I don't know. I mean, it's, we have something, I, I mean, I'm non-denominational. So we have something called discerning of spirits, which is where we, be, we believe that you can discern spiritual things that are going on around you. Um, I guess you could, I wouldn't say it's psychic at all because that's not what it is but um so being able to discern things if they know you can discern them they kind of pick up on that um so you have paranormal experiences if you would um i guess i don't classify it as kind of the way you would see on a television show um being a christian and being a minister we have more quantifying ideas behind this Right. Um, so even though this again this is complete fantasy but but it, it's based in 
in a lot of ways, just how I view the world and, and some of the experiences I've had, there is, you know, there's some things that I cover that are, I guess you could say are in a way based on experiences that I've had. Um, not completely more. So uh, one of the side characters. Oh, Hey, we've got Batman and Batgirl. Looks like I want to, um, so more so one of the side characters I think would be based a lot of ways off of kind of some of my experiences okay. or what I, you know, what I felt like to an extreme, you know, obviously everything you're writing in a, in, in a book or when you're writing characters are more of caricatures of what you are in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So they're more extreme than maybe what you might've dealt with. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of what set me down this road. I don't know if you guys probably didn't, but there's a, a Christian writer named Frankie Peretti. And he wrote a series uh, called Into the uh, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness was about the supernatural war between angels and demons. That really had a high influence in a lot of what I in my writing. But then again, as far as this series goes, um, and then you know, the more you read, or like Dresden Files, obviously, things like that that you read, um, studying the Book of Enoch, um, a lot of things like that. I, I tried to add some realism to it. Like I'm taking, taking things which are believed by other, by people like uh, the, the Judeo version of uh, supernatural Christian supernatural. I've added vampirism in the next book. Um, but I've kind of come at it from a, in a way, a Judeo Christian view in the sense of um, the Gregorian, the watchers and the Nephilim and using them as kind of a way to, create like a supernatural world but again it's it's fiction but yeah i do love the nephilim <laughs> all the right nephilim. So they apparently love us the, uh, like if you if you don't know what a nephilim is it's like it's a pretty powerful creation of god you know it's the best of both worlds you're human and angel you know it's, it's yeah. probably one of the coolest things you could write about and there's so much you can do with that type of archetype. Yeah. I do. I do like um, in the next book. Just give you a little bit of a hint. What's coming up in the next book? In my world, vampires are um, nephilim. They have nephilim blood in them, and they they are infected with famines. The the demon famines uh, like power. So yeah. only people who have nephilim heritage can actually turn into vampires. So oh, that's super it's, cool. It's kind of interesting. So just because you're bit doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a vampire. Right. You have so to it's have kind of interesting. You have that is definitely a new twist. And so oh, that's really cool. It's it's interesting. And I'm using um anything that like uh Wendigos, Wendigos. Yeah. Um I guess you could yeah. use zombies, but anything that is has this persistent hunger that's never satisfied is represented by famine. That so, is super cool. Yeah. So the next book is famine. The third book, I think, is going to be called Wrath. The fourth book is plague. And the fifth book is war. Oh, man. First book is death, obviously. You had me at that. Bookshelf in <laughs> our space. So transitioning away from the writing side, let's talk about things okay. from a fan angle. I stole this question from Seska, and I have her muted. Uh, so has <laughs> Has anyone asked for your autograph away from conventions or regular like book signings at the library kind of thing? Yes. They have. they have. So what what was the scenario? Give us the details. It was at work. So people at work, a bunch of people bought the book and they wanted me to sign them. They brought them all to me Aww. and signed them. That's yeah. sweet. So you, that is. Have you practiced signing your signature so it looks pretty? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. This was my parents right here. <laughs> I have horrible <laughs> handwriting. Yes. Yeah, so oh, and that, I sign if, I, if it's it's hard to um, to a creative mind. I have beautiful handwriting. <laughs> I have horrible. You have horrible. a creative mind. That's why I didn't write a book until I had a computer to write on. Because <clears throat> I can't, <laughs> can't write notes out. It's like, oh, just write it down at work. Like everything you remember, I'll be like, what is that? I yeah. So finally, have you ever spotted anybody out in the wilds uh, reading your book? Yes, I have. Uh, oh. But they again, they were people at work. I have a quite a few people at work, yeah, which is really okay. nice uh, to catch people at work and they're reading your book and you're like, wow, that's my book that they're yeah. reading. It's, it's a nice feeling. It is. Yeah, it cool. is my first book. And, it, and this is a learning experience for me. So, uh, you know, I, it's all, it's all learning, you know, we <clears throat> being part of these communities, you learn a lot, but actually doing it, um, and particularly going indie, which I really prayed and thought a lot about it. It wasn't, it took me about six months before I decided I wanted to go indie. I was really not sure what I wanted to do with this, but, um, going indie and learning the industry, it's, it's, there's a whole lot more to this than just, oh, you wrote a book and you got it, you know, had Lauren edit it and, you know, it's it's just there's a lot to this industry <laughs> that you're learning. You know, you don't just hey, it's up on Amazon. Woo, we're going to sell a thousand copies. You know, there's so much to this. So it's interesting to be <clears throat> to have a first book out and be using it for that. Uh, it's a series, so I figure as we go with the series and as we get more books out, I will obviously have invest more money in, in advertising and, and those kinds of things. But the whole learning experience of all right, the book is out now. What do I do with it? <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at now as far as writing the second book. But it's really interesting to learn, you know, this whole. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. That all sounds great. But somebody reading your book is pretty cool. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. That's not your, you know, your parents. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's, uh, let's talk about everything that is you. Yeah. You have written. Uh, give us a rundown. Everything I've written. Um, yeah. I wrote a short story. Yeah, I wrote a short story in the uh, Bayonet Books Anthology, Storming Area 51, Volume 2, called Dark Matter. Okay. Which was, I, I really enjoyed first ever. Thank you, JR. Um, yeah. You learned it. You wrote a good story. And, um, and I've written book one, Death. I'm working on book two. As far as what you can buy, that's really it. You can go to my uh, website, jwkiefer.com. I have a blog that I have started. Um, oh, we have the Christian Sages podcast where I, we had blogs associated with that, but that's kind of defunct at this moment because my the person I was doing it with just went to a seminary. So he, doesn't have, he doesn't have time to do it anymore. So we're Oof. kind of working on that back up. But um, um, you can find a, you can sign up for my newsletter on jwtv.com. And you can check out my podcast, which I trying to update once a week at least. Um, and just kind of get, get a feel for what I write and um, fun little stuff. I'm working actually working on another blog slash it's really early in the goings with my sister called The Parent's Guide to the Universe where we're both talking about raising our kids. Oh, um, I was a single parent. So my perspective is going to be being a single father, my daughter right. my, my, uh, and having adult children. And my sister has five younger ones. 
And so wow. we're working on a book series as well as a, like a podcast slash YouTube channel and blog right. to go with that. So that's really, really early in the works right now, but we're working on that. So oh, that's really cool. Yeah. And I have a children's book series, which I'm work, hoping to, I want to get that in, uh, done traditionally. It's uh, two monkeys on my head series. <laughs> Yeah. Which my kids tell, to... I'm, I'm horrified at the thought of having that many kids underfoot. <laughs> I, I, I love children. But I have a theory that if you have the equal number of children to adults, you are still outnumbered as an adult. You are. Oh, yeah. you and are. and I am a single mom, which means I am already outnumbered. <laughs> you know, you know. My two little ones would climb up on my shoulders and sit here and hold my head when they were babies. And so that's where it came up with the two monkeys on my head. So I wrote a little poem, and then it became a children's book. I've told series. my son that I dock his pay if he comes in while <laughs> I'm podcasting, because otherwise he thinks it's funny to try and pop up on camera. <laughs> I'd love that, though. How old are your kids? By uh, one, he is nine. Nine. Wow. Going on nineteen sometimes with his mouth because oh, I, I have the same rules of mine. He have inherited it from his mother. The eleven-year-old wants to pop in and loves the camera. It's all about the Caden show, and I'm like, "No, it's not the Caden show. It's the Nick show right now. Get out." <laughs> my daughter I'm is. Like, a, I make my, my son when he wants to watch YouTube. I make him watch our podcast because that awesome. he can watch YouTube that way. You can watch the podcast. I see my drunk butt. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's actually a voice actress. Oh, that's awesome. She's a voice actress and a podcast. Well, she's a she has a YouTube channel. She started out doing um, Minecraft stuff yeah. and then switched to just gaming stuff. And now she's she's moved to voice acting. She's that's working awesome on the way that goes. Um, oh yeah, it's great. She's she just started doing it professionally. She quit her job. She was a um, web designer, so she just quit her web design job and it is going full time as a voice actress. Well, uh, hey, you know she needs uh, a website for that, and she's got the chops for that. She does. She yeah. does. Except she won't work on her dance. Like, oh. She's like, oh, I'll do it. Sure. And now I'm like, I'm on Wix right now trying to figure this out. You know what? You should tell her you changed her diapers. In the world <laughs> beyond. Uh, I'm all about. I changed your diapers. I changed your diapers. Come here. I changed you better diapers. do this. She's always like, oh, I'll do it on the weekend. It's like, okay. Weekend comes. I'm like, did you do it? No. I'm like, how about setting up, helping me set up my newsletter? Did you do that? No. Yeah. Did you help me out? <laughs> to her defense, she did do our podcast website. So that was, she did help with that. That works. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, these are great stories. Okay, so let's talk about death. The uh, the first book in the yeah. Justice Cycle, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Uh, where did you get the premise for this universe? How do you, how did you come up with the idea for this series? I mean, psychedelics, Ouija board, overindulging in inspired candies, bath salts. I mean, like, like what uh, inspired you? Emo, to depressed teenager. No. Oh, <laughs> that. that, that okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to add that to the question now. Like, okay, where you were depressed. <laughs> um, I wish I could say no. That's not where I came with this idea. But yeah, I was kind of depressed as a you know I was a teenager. Girls oh, don't that, like me, you know. So yeah, so you wrote a book. But I wrote a book. No, girls don't yeah. like themselves. As that, a that's true. That is very uh, true. That's that's an then I got married and divorced and all that. <laughs> but, but you know, yeah. Um honestly, yeah, that was I mean, it was kind of 
well, two really honestly, my characters always had to be overpowered. So I had yeah. to be the strongest, the best, the leader. So of course. I just I designed an overpowered character. And I'll tell you, it's it's fun. It's fun. I actually really like writing overpowered characters. I always wanted to write Superman because I I really like the idea of trying to find ways to make this interesting without just pulling out kryptonite. So God. Or just oh magic character, you know, finding ways. Uh, the the I love the Justice League the animated series when he fights Darkseid at the end and he says, you know, I feel like I'm flying through a world of paper people, but you can handle it, big boy. I can let loose on you, and he just beats yeah. the tar out of him. And I, I love that idea of Superman that he has to wrestle with this idea that every little thing, like if, if I just touch this wrong, I'm going to break it. You right. know, or if I if I I have to always be worried about how hard I'm going to hit somebody because I might kill them, you know, right. accidentally. And I, I kind of like the idea. So he Justice, the character Justice, is very overpowered. In essence, he is. So coming up with ideas on how to make him relatable, how to make him less overpowered so that he's not just like stopping every villain with you know one hit, like one punch if you watch anime. And, um, you know, you're speaking their nerd language. I, <laughs> Nick, I need a private moment in his bonk. <laughs> well, I got the bald head. As long as I drop another hundred pounds, then I'm going to cosplay as one punch next. That's kind of the goal. My son wants to be Genosha. Oh, one punch. Genos. We did Jiraiya and Naruto. So that was fun. Nice. But, um, yeah. So, you know, so that's Nobody kind of that. the ideas that came up. What'd you say? Nobody wants to cosplay Ape Man. Ape Man? Yeah, no. Oh, such a cool character, a cool series. Nobody wants to do that. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to do like Macross either. I'm, no. I'm, I'm severely no. disappointed in the anime community. Nobody wants to Macross be like... Cosplays? There's Macross cosplays. Oh, come on. Okay, where? AWA, Momocon. Yeah. You just need to get out more, Nick. I, I, I can't because I don't like people. It wouldn't have worked. My son looks like Naruto. His blonde no, hair. But so it worked. I'm a pervert who writes books, so I'm a pervy sage. So it kind of worked. <laughs> so it just kind of like Okay. <laughs> All right. On to Nick gets to ask you his favorite question of the night. All right. And then you get to tell me all about your book. Okay. Yes. Sounds I want to see the cover. Cue it up, JR. Yeah, baby. Go. Let's, oh. let's, get that. let's talk about the Woo! Cover. You had to tell me all about the cover. Did you have any input on this or was it I, related or I did have a basic idea. I it went looks like to, he's holding a lightsaber. Um, well, the sword is a sentient sword. So it's so, a lightsaber and it, it looks kind cool. of well, it glows. It glows. Um, I mean, and um, I had Jamie Glover, I hired him to do it. Um, and he had never done paranormal or fantasy and he wanted to branch out. I said, all right, buddy, let's go. And so, um, I had a basic idea of what I wanted on the cover kind of. And I said, dude, give me what you got. And so after a few tries through, this is what he came up with. And I loved it. And I was like, this is exactly what I was looking for. So yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a very enthralling cover. It definitely draws your eye. Yeah. Did you hire the Brit because your daughter married one? Is it <laughs> no, I hired the Brit because you said he was cheap. <laughs> <laughs> He's affordably priced. Yeah, no, I, affordably I actually, priced. I'll tell you what, I hired him because we're because because he was it was a first for him, and it's a first for me. 
And so I thought it would be really cool to do first together. Like, he's like, I really want to branch out. And I really like that. I was like, let's go, man. I want, I want you to, I want to give you something new. You give me something new and you stretch yourself as I've stretched myself to write this book in the series. And, and so I really, that's one of the main reasons why I kind of like, I wanted to go with him. It's a, he's it's like, a very you know, cover. Like it, it draws your eyes. It hits all the right points. I mean, it's on my wall. You can see it back there. So yeah. he, he did a really good job. And, I remember when I when I asked him, I said, "Hey, man, you know, Jr. sent me your way. Do you, you know, you do cover? I need to cover." He's like, "Sure. How many ships are on the cover?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, <laughs> none, but no ships at all. No actually. ships at all." It's like, "What is that?" I'm like, "Paranormal urban fantasy." And he's like, "Wow, I've never done that, but I really want to." And I'll tell you, he was awesome because I I um, gave him a description of the sword, and he made the sword for me. So, so he sent me like a bigger version of it. And I was like, wow, that is exactly what I envisioned. And it was, it, I love it. I actually used that on my website too, because it was just absolutely amazing. It was like, this is, this is just awesome. So he, he really captured visually what I imagined it to look like. So I was really, really cool. pleased, really impressed with it. So. Yeah. It's, it's a good image. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And it draws you right in. Yeah. So we do buy, you know, as much as we say don't judge a book by its cover, we do judge a book by its cover. Absolutely. But getting on to the meat of the book, give me, (laughs) if I'm sitting here and I'm like, hey, in 30 seconds or less, tell me why I should pick up your book and read it. Why? You want the uh, elevator pitch? Elevator pitch. Yeah. Yeah, baby. In the normally tranquil city of Binghamton in upstate New York, women are turning up dead. Murder is something every town experiences, but here in the country, two in as many days is frightening. Police detective Jared Cadret and Dana Campbell are tasked with finding the killer. But when a mysterious FBI agent from the big city shows up, they begin to realize that something far more sinister has come to their little town. As the war between the spirits of justice and injustice threatened to invade the earthly realm and angels and demons battle, what began as a single murder investigation will lead the two detectives into the unseen world that exists in the shadows, thrusting them into a supernatural war that has been raging for a millennia. Best pitch so far this season. (laughs) You did it with an awesome voice. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it doesn't sound like the the guy from the Simpsons. Like, you, you want fries with that? <laughs> you know, it's like like it was just straight up. Like, dude, this is what I'm selling, and this is it. Boom, this is it. Here. There will be an audio book, and I might narrate it. We'll see. I like it. Nice. It uh, definitely let me know because I devour audio books. There is one in the works. It's just whether I want to pay somebody four thousand dollars to do it or whether I want to do it myself. Just kill your uh, trick your daughter into doing it. Oof. Trick my what do you say? My daughter? Don't yeah. Trick your daughter into doing it. Yeah, maybe. What is that? What do we got going on there? So just to show you some of the stuff Jamie's capable of. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. His, uh, that's field. the cover artist? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's Jamie Glover. He's um he does a website. It used to be called Cerulean Futures, but it looks like it's down for a DD something something attack. I don't even know what all that right. means. But uh when his when his uh website gets up, I'll share it in the Facebook group so you can oh, yeah. Check it out. He makes some glorious art. He's done he really all, of, he's done all of my book covers that weren't through an outside publisher. Yeah. So, really like getting back to the book, we're yes. on the book phase of this. And, you okay. know, the n- nitty gritty sure. meat of the book. Yeah. So, what is it that makes your series 
special and unique out of the urban fantasies. So people don't think, oh, it's another Dresden. Uh, the characters are nothing like Dresden. Um, they're, uh, what makes it different is I don't use the similar tropes, particularly in this book. There's no, there's not a lot of similar tropes. There is a love interest somewhat, but um, I don't want to give away too much of the story to tell you that is totally about the, love, the love interest and what happens with all that. But it does subvert expectations. As a matter of fact, halfway through the book, you're going to be like, what the heck did you just do to me? So um, I, I think tend that, to like those books best. Yeah. And, you know, there, it's, it's, it is not a traditional, because I don't actually read urban fantasy until I read the Dresden Files. So I read straight up fantasy. And um, so this, but this has more of a, I always say it's Highlander meets Spawn. Okay. That's a good way to put it. Um, there's a Highlander element. You can, if you, when you start reading the book, you're going to be like, yeah, I can see Highlander in that. And you're also going to be able to see some Spawn or Ghost Rider elements to it. Oh, um, there's, he's not the spirit of vengeance, but he is the spirit of justice. So the idea is that I'm, I'm going to give a little bit of a history. The idea is that there's these two swords that have existed since the beginning of mankind. God brought them into the earth right around the time of the fall right around the same time as the Gregorian, the Watchers came in. One is the spirit of injustice. One is the spirit of justice because mankind could not be, could really not be uh, trusted to handle justice. Uh, Cain and Abel, I'm kind of going to use them, I think at some point. Um, and so the bearer, the, the thing is they're sentient swords. They are the spirits of justice and injustice. In order to become a bearer, you have to die and be resurrected as the bearer. So oh, I've already given away cool. too much. So, um, there is there, and so the idea of the justice cycle is that the bearer is the temperance to the sword because justice. There, I forgot who said it, but he said justice without mercy is demonic, but justice is absolutely just. So the sword has no mercy; it's just. So if you kill somebody, it kills you. It wants to kill you. If you cut somebody's arm off, it wants to cut your arm off. It doesn't matter whether or not that's merciful or right or wrong, or you're 15 or 12 or, you know what I'm saying? So there's a, there, there requires a human bearer to temper. So the cycle is that the human bearer starts out with this, you know, I don't know what I am. I don't know what the heck's happening to then it becomes completely unified with the sword, but becoming completely unified with the sword and looking at people and being able to see every evil thing they've ever done. Right. and not being able to see the good in people anymore because all you see when you look at people is every horrible thing they've ever done, right. then that begins to degrade. And when the soul degrades to the point where it can't handle anymore, whoop, injustice comes in and takes them out, and the cycle begins again. So it's um, my character be starts one, the ends one cycle, begins another in this book. So what do you think in many ways that you... Um the tropes that you're hitting the best or oh. bringing in that you love. Wow. I love that I put in. Let's see. Uh, wow. You know, I haven't thought about it, honestly. Um, that is hmm. a fair answer. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, I could have probably told you yesterday tropes, but I just went completely blank on what tropes are, are in there. Um, if it makes uh, you feel any better, very experienced authors have looked at me and gone, that's a mean question. Yeah, I don't know what I would say, like um, <laughs> like what your favorite tropes are and what your, like, um, you know, like uh, the, the chosen one trope. No, uh, not in this necessarily, though the sword chooses a bearer. 
but they're just a random dude a lot of times. It's not necessarily like, oh, you have something special. As a matter of fact, one of the problems, not one of the problems, but one of the things about the main character is he's just a dude. He's just average. He may be a cop, but he's just a cop. Like, he's not even, I mean, he's a good cop, but he's nothing special about him. You know, he's just a guy with a normal life and girl troubles. And, you know, he, there's no, he's not like got this weird not supernatural. What'd you say? Not Mr. High Speed. No, High no. Speed and, drag. Yeah. I mean, he's not ugly by any means, but he's I, not I, he's not. Shame, by any no, you know, he's not Tony Stark or, you know, he's, he's, he's just average. He's just a dude. He's just a guy. And, he, and, and the main characters are up until the, when you start really getting into the supernatural aspect of it, the main characters are just people. Going through their average daily life, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're thrust into something that they've never imagined they would have to deal with. You know, and then this continues, and we're playing on this as the story goes, and particularly from Dana's perspective in the book. In the next couple of books, she gets even more and more into this. Well, wait a minute. You know, even though I am quote unquote a Christian, I still really only believe what I see. And so she comes into this whole like I can't rationalize what's going on. And she starts having real issues with that. Like, I cannot rationalize this. Does it make sense to my rational, my scientific thinking? This doesn't make sense. And she has a little bit of that in this book, but you begin to see a lot of that. So I don't know what other tropes. Um, I, the villain's not ultimate evil, so there is no dark lord per se. Um, I, I, again, I don't want to give away too much. So... Um, other than so, we'll we'll move on then. So, was there anything <laughs> about your main character? Because that was the next question uh, about him as a character that you haven't already said without spoilers. Because if there is, this is your chance. If not, we're going to move on to my favorite question. Okay, um, main character um, hmm. that I haven't said. Um, no, not really. Um, okay, you'll, so you'll kind of experience it as you go. Were there any secondary characters that were especially oh, fun for you that you really God, liked? Yes, God, yes, yes, very much so. As a matter of fact, I added. There's at one point in the book where okay, so I do have a trope. Just came up, um, you know the <laughs> um, the Gandalf you know mentor trope, mm -hmm. but my guy doesn't show up. So this other dude is sent there. And he is completely on. He like has no idea what's going on or why he's there or even have any clue on how he's going to help the, this character. And that's it. Was a lot of fun to write him. And he is a um, paranormal detective who God talks to, but not in the like he says at one point, which I I love this line. He says most people are like God. I want you to speak to me, and I'm like God. Stop talking to me in the shower, you know. So he's got like this whole. He shows up and he's like, I have no idea what to help you with, but I'm here now. <laughs> and so the when the mentor character shows up, there's this joke for the rest of the book that he's always late. Because he always shows up late. And it's like instead of like the wizard being like, I'm I always arrive on time, he's like, nah, I'm late. So it was pretty <laughs> cool. And it's, I, he was my favorite character to write, and he will get his own book at some point in time. Ooh. And he is based off one of my best friends. I even use his name. Which at first, like, you kept my name. I'm like, you want me to take it out? I was like, no. I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you let me use the name? We're cool. Wow. Wow. So, um, your, your story, uh, as you mentioned before, it does have a bad guy. It does. Uh, I was waiting for that question. Character. You have an antagonist. I have two. You, oh, ooh. Uh, um, without spoilers, um, 
Uh, tell us more about them, I guess. Yeah. Okay. God, that sounded horrible. <laughs> like, like I screwed that question up. Like, further, tell us more about your bad guys. I cannot tell you too much about them because I will ruin the story. Okay. That. Death. Death is called death for a reason. Of course. And um, the spirit of injustice. Did he take a flamethrower to a bunch of vampires? That's the next book. So. Okay, you don't read a lot of urban. Uh, we've lost Siska. Urban She's fantasy, gone. but oh. any of our listeners, Hamilton, there's a character called Death, and uh, it's like his Lady um, Death? or it's no, it's like his call sign. Oh, okay. and it's because he's the only vampire hunter who took a flamethrower to oh. a bunch of vampires. I want to read that book now. Yeah, well, he it it takes place before the series starts, but oh. it's the Anita Blake series. By Laurel K. Hamilton, and Edward is an amazing character. Gotcha. My villain, if I tell you too much about the one villain, I'll give away the whole plot. Okay. I don't hide it. Do that. Wait, there's wait. no, there's no one of the things people were like, oh, well, that's pretty obvious. It was intentionally obvious that you're going to know who he is because it's part of the story. And I hope I convey that well enough. And I feel like most people who've read the book have said that I conveyed that well enough that it was intentionally obvious. So uh, the mystery and somewhat is intentionally obvious, and there's a reason for that. So you'll find out kind of a, as the story goes on at the very end, you're like, oh, now it makes sense why. To me, it was obvious, but it's not to them. Right. There's a reason for that. And so, and then, of course, the spirit of injustice, who is probably one of my favorite characters, uh, and he is a musketeer. So one of, one of the things that one of my friends who read it had said, he's like, oh, I'm a fan. And uh, he said that he liked the fact that I, I don't give the the characters don't use their names the, the just and just characters their their iker types. So right. you have the shogun and the musketeer, you know the detective. You know they don't. They, it's almost like they lose their identity, and they're just kind of referenced as almost like this and become the archetype. Yeah, this archetype. So he is the musketeer, and he okay. still likes to use a musketeer outfit, which he's a lot of fun. And if you read R.A. Salvatore, you will see a little bit of his influence between. Jarl Axel and Dritz, which is kind of what I what I kind of in a lot of ways I would have to say if anybody influenced that storyline between the Musketeer and the Shogun was a lot of a bit of Jarl Axel and Dritz in there. Yeah. So with the whole archetype of the villain and the good guy, you know, constantly clashing with each other. So yeah, I enjoy it. Hopefully, <laughs> people do too. At least so far, I've gotten a lot of good a lot of good feedback on that. People have really enjoyed him. So you sound passionate, and that's always a good start. Yeah, it's always it's thank you. Always a good thing. Always. I love oh. these characters. I've been working on them since I was fifteen. So um, to be able to finally tell this story and in, in a medium that people can read instead of just sitting around writing scripts or trying to make anime out of something. Um, and being able to actually write it down to where people can read and, and enjoy these characters and I can tell the story. It's, it means a lot to me. It's why I didn't go try to go traditional because I didn't want someone coming and telling me, no, I want to tell it differently. Um, I see what Disney did with Star Wars. I've seen what Marvel and DC have done with their comics over the years. And I don't want someone else coming and saying, oh, well, you got to tell the story my way. Nick, and no. No, get off the soapbox. We gotta talk about it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Why, why are we all of a sudden attacking me? I, I completely agree with what Jay is saying. So this question was designed just for you, Nick. 
We we added this to the lineup just for you. So this is sure, your other moment of glory. Balls in your court. You're, you're such an a-hole, JR. <laughs> a-hole. An ajole, as the French would call it. But getting back on topic, speaking of characters and everything that you described, if you ever met your characters in a back alley, um, how would they treat you after all the hell you put them through? How do you see that interaction plan? Ooh. The musketeer would be, hey, man, I like you. He'd love me. Um, <laughs> the other main villain, would he's, he's, he'd just kill me. But um, I, th I think Jared would probably kill me, too. <laughs> he'd probably be like, what did you do to me? So, <laughs> and, you know, and as it goes on, Dana would eventually kill me, too. In the next book, she'd definitely kill me. So. Oh, snipes. Yeah, I'm not nice to my characters. I'll be honest with you. I'm really not. I'm well, really nice I mean, a, a really good author really puts their characters through the ringer because oh, yeah. it's supposed to be a growth, uh, a journey, you know, where they become better at the other end. Yeah. Um, like, my characters would definitely kick the living hell out of me. <laughs> oh, absolutely. They, I, yeah. I, I put Jared through the ringer right from the get-go. He's, he's just oh, had a – his whole life is horrid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right as it goes and then it just keeps getting worse i mean it depends on your perspective i guess i mean i might want to be i would love to be the spirit of justice but you know i don't think he does and that's kind of right part of the arc he really does <laughs> so but he has no choice so it's kind of like Not the reluctant hero it's always yeah. a good it's always a good um and there's an place. he's an anti-hero in a lot of ways um although i think he will become more of a hero, but the sword is an anti-hero. So, and it has a personality. So Correct. this whole interaction between the two, there's a lot of conflict. That's how I kind of get around the overpoweredness of it. Yeah. Is there's, it's the interaction between the two and their inability to get on the same page that makes them fall apart and, and fail and get their butt handed to them in, in ways. So, and then when, you know, I don't know how much I want to say without giving away too much. So it's kind of right. But it's, it's totally. for me, it's just so much fun to do that. I, I, I don't, anybody can, everybody, I mean, I like, I do like a good, you know, Lord of the Rings, you know, the hero trope. I love Samwise Gamgee. I think side characters are my favorite characters, but, um, you know, I like the chosen one. It's fun every now and then, you know, I love Star Wars, but I also like Anakin is one of my favorite characters. You know, Ahsoka is, is second favorite. Uh, Obi-Wan's my favorite. She's but, got a great arc. Oh, I love Ahsoka. But, you know, I, I like being able to mess with them and see how they handle things. And and they're not perfect. You know, people fail. People make mistakes. People go through stuff. And it's, it's nice to – I like being able to tell that story. And people do things reluctantly. You know, they sometimes we just do what we have to do or we're forced to do until we get to the end of our story and then become what we want to be um, or what we are, have always intended to be where we're always intended. We were going to be. So I kind of like that. And it's kind of the way he is. He's, he's wrestling with become being a police detective and now becoming in essence, an anti-hero and fighting with this need to do things that his detective sensibilities tell him are wrong. Right. And yet, but yet that's what the sword is telling him needs to be done. And so there's this constant interplay, and that that messes with them. And so, God, I'm going to give away too much. So when the villain finally does, there's a big part with the villain really messes with that. 
and it makes Jared unable to do things that he needs to do. And so it's interesting. And then there's a lot of interplay there. The sword takes him over sometimes. He hates it. And it makes him mad. And so, you know, he gets very angry at the sword for taking his, taking his personality over. And there's a lot of things that are, you know, um, it's, it's really interesting. It's a lot of fun to write. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah, totally. All right. So uh, let's uh, get a little sneak peek at how the sausage was made. A little, little behind-the-scenes footage, if you will. Uh, were there any cool scenes or ideas that you had to cut from the final book that you uh, you want to find a way to use someday? Uh, the second chapter of book two is the last chapter of book one. Or one. Oh. <laughs> there you go. That is very specific. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm afraid right. to ask any more details because I'm afraid you're going to give a spoiler. Well, I just resolved too much. Okay. Oh. So I, I jumped ah, it to ah. the next book. I love so it. I was like, I, I was it. like, all right. And and I actually ended up having to rewrite it because I couldn't find it. But um, it's pretty much the base. Like I separated and like so I'm going in, I'm like, where is it? Went through like the cloud everywhere, and then I finally I'm just gonna rewrite it. So I didn't actually think it's better rewritten than it was originally. That's okay. We'll call the first one a rough draft that you tossed. That's what it is. <laughs> this is the second rough draft. Oh, God damn. I love Lauren will rip apart and tell me I need to. So, in a lot of series, you know, the world is as much of a protagonist as the characters. Mm -hmm. So, can you give us a hint of what we can expect from this expansive world you've created and you've dug into? Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You're just getting a taste of it in this book. So, there's it's it's the beginning of their journey into this greater world. So you're just kind of getting little basic snippets of, you know, these characters showing up and, and these characters kind of explaining, you know, certain things and nobody really knowing what's going on. And as the book series goes, you get more and more into this idea. Now I'm I'm go- trying to go with the Dresden Files motif or what that's the word I'm looking for, but where it's each book is a contained story with an overarching story or a comic type thing where you have like this overarching story and world going on. And then each book is a contained story in that world that leads you farther down. And um, so in this one, it's one story. It introduces you to the world. The next book will, will bring you farther and more into the, the world and you'll begin to see that there is there really ha- is a war going on, and it's not just the Judeo-Christian view of the devil versus God and angels, but there is an actual war going on um, between these supernatural beings that are trying to retake a world they feel like were taken from them. Okay. So, so the these beings are being resurrected. I'm giving too much away again. Um, so, and and the overarching story, and so they want to retake the world for their race. Okay. So before, I'm not trying to cut you off. I'm just trying to save you from yeah. spoiling. Your- I know I'm spoiling way too much because it's so hard for me. So this is currently book one in the series. Yes. So we know the story is not done, but how many more um, books do you think it's going to go? Or you don't know, and it's just unfolding as you write it. I have the series mapped out in a basic sense. Okay. So I've got book one is death. Book two is famine. 
book three, I'm not 100% certain if it's going to be a full book or a novelette. Um, it's kind of a one of the characters' story arcs and her moving forward to where she needs to be in the next book. I prob- I've just been really kind of working out some ideas that I want to add to that book, so it may be a full book. I'm sure it will be. Um, I'm just not 100% certain what I'm going to call it yet. Um, probably Wrath, but I'm not 100% certain. And then the fourth book is Plague, and the fifth book is War. The only thing I'm not 100% certain about is the exact ending and how that's going to play out. But okay. we are adding there will be tons of more characters added as we go. So each book is going to add characters. So this book is going to add a group of characters. Uh, the book after that won't add as many, but it'll be a lot more interplay with the main characters. The fourth book will add a whole nother group of characters. And then the fifth book will be everybody in an all out war. How that's going to look exactly. I'm not hundred percent certain, um, but that's the only thing I'm not hundred percent certain about. I am a pantser. So I, I, I have a basic outline and like I sit down and it's like, let's go characters. Tell me where you're going. And it's so uh, even writing book two, I was sitting down today and I'm like, I don't know exactly what I want this chapter to look like. And then it started to come to me and you're like, Oh, okay, well they're going to do this. And you know, so, but um, I really enjoy as a pantser. I think the most fun I had, it was writing this book. Oh, second book's a lot more fun to write because I don't know as much about the story as I did the first one. Since the first one, the story had been there for so long in me. Um, but the character, not really sure what the characters are going to do. And one of them, Dana in particular, did the opposite of a whole lot of stuff I never expected, her to, which I thought was really awesome. And so she is really probably become my favorite character at this point. <laughs> um, because she's just doing a lot of stuff that I'm like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do this, you know. So even if it's all horrible, but still, you know, it's going to be fun. And then I will probably do two books, prequels. Okay. Um, the pro, the Shogun Chronicles and the Musketeer. And then I, w- I want to tell the story of Jeremy Wagner, who is the paranormal detective. Um, I'm not 100% certain what that will look like exactly. Um, the character really had a horrid life. Uh, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. He shoved him in a mental institute, did all sorts of, you know, like electroshock therapy to him and a bunch of stuff until he finally kind of realized that he had something going on when he found a lost girl. God directed him to a lost girl. And everybody's like, oh, and so now he's he's referred to as the psychic, but he always corrects people. I'm not the psychic. You know, I'm... I'm I just talked to God. I'm not a psychic, you know, but, um, and he's grouchy and ornery, which I love, but so I'll probably tell his story as well. But again, that's a lot of books. So, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to want to write other stuff after this series, after book five of this series, I'll probably want to write some other stuff. I have heard that can happen sometimes for authors. Yeah. So every universe has its own internally consistent, methodology of either the tech or the science, the tech and science or the Mm -hmm. fantasy and the magic. So can you give us a bit of what readers can expect when we're seeing magic in your universe or even the tech because it's urban fantasy. So is it current or a little bit set in the future? Current. Um, But the characters are supernatural in origin. Um, The tech, they do have tech. Um, Certain ones will, particularly in this book, we're going to see more tech. Um, we will see a whole crack. I will need help with that, JR. Um, a whole crack military, paramilitary special forces group 
that is has a ton of tech and we're going to have um most match the magic i spent like three four months developing um the magic system and the backstory for this the magic system is pretty basic um in a way very dungeons and dragon asking that you, nobody has inherent magic they get it from other beings that have more power than them right so you either you're getting it from a demonic source or or an angelic source um but the the swords themselves are i wouldn't say magic but they can pretty much do anything they want i mean there's very limit there's very little limits to them um which you know, it's they the characters they can make a move at supernatural speeds. Sorry, Walt, who gave me a hard time about people flipping and sword fighting. Walt Robillard. Walt gives <laughs> everybody a hard time, and he's Daddy Walt. Nice to me. I, I, Daddy I mean, he is teaching me the sword, but still, you know, it was like, come on, man, there's supernatural beings. You're gonna flip around. Why, why is every guest associated with Walt at some point? He's like because he's like JR. He knows everybody, but he's you know. But he's like, oh, he's like, you know, I saw in this scene like 15 times that they could have killed each other. I'm like, thanks. I love Walt. Walt, Walt's a good dude. He's he made always me, he made so me. nice to me. I don't understand this. You're I can tell you, but I don't want to uh, offend the lady, so we will just move <laughs> on to the next no, question. Because you're a girl. Like, he smites me and JR repeatedly if we're off cuff, you know? It's like, you get a pass because you're you know, he's been girl. very nice. I, I will admit, I, I actually Walt's a great dude. I, in yeah, my acknowledgments, I acknowledge Walt, Tim, and Jr. That at the fact that every time I try to read word for word what the questions are, I end up sounding like a la 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 la. la. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't do that. Mm -hmm. But the magic system, back to my magic system. Magic so, system. We'll go back to magic system. So the swords, in essence, can do pretty much anything. So, but the magic, there is magic. We will deal with magic. Um, and that we will, I'll probably add some witches at some point. I do add a sorcerer at one point in, in who is kind of the one who's behind a lot of this. And he's a lich, which I, think is pretty cool. I like liches. So uh, he's an, he was a Jew, uh, Hebrew priest and he gave himself over to one of the main characters who they're trying to resurrect. And so he became a lich. That's how he, he got eternal life, but became a lich. So mm -hmm. he, he dabbles in a lot of magic, which he gets from nefarious sources. Yeah. Um, and uh, I have, I guess I'll just, I don't know how much I want to tell because I'm, I'm worried <laughs> giving away. We can switch and ask you a different question. Well, there, I mean, there is a, I, I, there is a I'll magic give away system, the story, but the, the magic comes they from wanna, supernatural they buy beings, the story first. but not everybody no. can have it. What's that thing about giving away the cow, buying the cow, and when you give away the milk for free or giving something? Giving away the milk for free, why buy the cow when you give away the milk for free? Yeah. There you go. See, so, thank uh, you. Next question is all you, Ranger Nick. Speaking of Ranger Nick, you'd be a good person <laughs> to ask questions about special forces. But well, Nick, I will definitely. You know, I I am a uh, a source if you ever want to reach out and <laughs> absolutely because I have no idea. I want it to be as realistic as possible. I mean, as realistic as supernatural. I mean, I, I I've given some <laughs> some pointers to Chuck Dixon, total name drop creator, New romance. Ever. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I like to help out. I, I 
because I know how it takes you out of a story, especially if you're involved in that world and you're watching something and or reading something. You're like, no, nah, that's not that's not how we would do that. I mean, I can do the Hollywood version, but it's just not the same. And I mean, I have friends. I mean, one of my friends was Army, and he was an infantry grunt through all of the recent series, like seven years over there. Yeah. Um, but he's also extremely PTSD'd and one of them's a medic and he said, Oh, I'll help you out. And, but I'm always looking for people that have kind of done this stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, experiences <laughs> vary when you're over there doing your, doing your thing. <laughs> so let, let's kind of get into the, uh, the tech you invented for your universe. Uh, mm -hmm. Which one would you want to have for your like daily use? I'd love the sword, but that's not really tech. Um, I, I consider it tech. I would love to use that sword. Uh, I would love to use the sword. The sword would be amazing, except it'd probably keep taking me over and making me kill people, and that would not be as much fun. Or would it? I mean, really, I guess it depends on your personality. But um, the there will be cybernetic special forces. Yeah. They will have cybernetic parts, um, which I really like. So it would be cool to have cybernetic arms and be able to, you know, legs and be able to do supernatural, you know, be able to move fast and lift heavy things. And, you know, uh, each one, each character has a specific cybernetic implant or cybernetic part of them that makes them do what they do. So very cool. So I would like to use that probably. Um, I'm down. <laughs> so they, they were us. I mean, they were me and my friends. So <laughs> I was, Captain Warhead, so he'll be in it. <laughs> Sergeant Edge and Flatline and Hollow Point and this whole group of people. Some of them really were military, and others of them just <laughs> never win. But yeah, so. that, that sounds okay. good to me. Like, how would you abuse the technology in your universe? How would I abuse it? Yeah. Wow. Like um, your selfish gain. And then I would want the injustice sword so I could do whatever I wanted. And I would, you know, rape, pillage, plunder, kill. <laughs> Just produce a lot of general chaos. So go full Viking. We can appreciate yeah, that. Oh, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, that's a good idea. I probably should have made him a Viking, but I thought that was very cliched. Yeah, and maybe a little. So I, I went with the musketeer uh, because it's a, it's a play on okay, well, the Musketeers were good guys, but he's not, you know. And he is Card. He was one of Cardinal Richelieu's spies. He does kind of mention that at one point in the book. Cardinal Richelieu from... You know, yeah, Three Musketeers. So, you know, so he does get... When they call him a Musketeer, he kind of scoffs at him. But he... he it's... it's. I, I like... I would probably use the Injustice sword very inappropriately. Because <laughs> what else would you do with that kind of sword? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Totally Pretty much anything you want. Anything you want. Make you All invisible, right. hypnotize people, move super fast, teleport, uh, shoot energy blasts, walk on air. Um, just about anything you want to do, you could do with that thing. Sounds cool to me, man. Except it corrupts your soul as you use it. Nah. So you I become more and more evil. Well, <laughs> <laughs> ah. eventually, you know, it, unlike the Justice Sword, where your job is to temper it, its job is to control you, the Injustice Sword, to constantly okay. make you more and more like it. Oh, that's pretty cool. I 
hopefully I don't steal that for a future comic book because <laughs> it's a really cool idea. Um, does your universe have any aliens or fantastical creatures in it that you want to tell us about? Uh, the Nephilim, the Grigori, the Watchers, um, demons, angels, injustice character. And there is a possibility that I may continue the series and bring in aliens. Ooh. So when you created those, did you just let the lore and the legends of those beings influence you, or did you add anything to the mix? Both. Both. So I, um, I added both. Like I took went to the book of Enoch. I went to book, you know, the, the Bible, obviously, and a lot of sources, the Judeo, the really this is the Jewish view. The 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 Gregorian the Watchers are more so the Jewish view of the supernatural, and kind of went back to that. And did a lot of research on that. Read a lot of Michael Heiser's stuff uh, on the Unseen Realm, and then I began to fashion my own view of how that would work to add a supernatural element that applies to more than just okay, they're angels and demons. Um, like I said, the next book is going to involve vampires, so I add the vampire lore as a Nephilim type thing, um, than just rather the just a traditional vampire, and I am using every type of vampire, not just like the Strigoi or the Revenant, which is the traditional vampire, but I'm actually using the Yuki Uno. It's one of my favorite characters that, I've, that I'm using, which is the White Lady of Japanese lore. Yeah. It was an ice spirit, but she also siphons your life force. And so um, she would come in and siphon your life force while you're sleeping. Uh, there's another one, Japanese one, where the neck stretch is really long, which if you watched anime is what they based um, Rochimaru off of. Um, and I'm probably going to bring that in. Um, the uh, Wendigo as an, as another thing um, that I'm bringing in. The hopping vampires of Japanese or Chinese. Well, I forgot what they're called. They're more of like a hopping zombie almost. Uh, so I'm bringing in all sorts of different um, let in, into that. And then, of course, in Plague, um, Plague is a is a kind of like multiple man in a way. He just duplicates himself constantly. And trying to find the original is the key to be. So we talked about how you twisted and made tweaks to existing lore, but mm -hmm. let's make a hypothetical. You do make book six and aliens come to earth. Would you let nature inspire you or would you create something entirely never seen before making it out of whole, brand new out of whole cloth? I believe that humans have already gone into outer space. Not our humans, but they like Battlestar Galactica almost. So I will probably in some way play on that. Going back to the Tower of Babel where it says that it's a tower that was reached the heavens and God had to stop them because if he didn't, they'd reach the heavens. So I kind of came up with an idea that I've always had a belief that, you know, Adam and Eve lived to be 900, almost 1,000 years old. They were apparently uh, smarter, stronger than we are. And you're telling me that this this race of humans, and then of course when you add the Gregorian, the Watchers, they came to Earth and gave humans technology, taught them magic, all of these different things. It's one of the th reasons why God destroyed the Earth um, was because they corrupted mankind. So I kind of had this idea that what if what if mankind, a section of mankind, left before the flood because they had spaceships, and what if they returned? 
Okay, so we didn't talk about this. We it came up in the pre-show, but right. if we look over your head, it looks like there's something we might have looked at earlier. So you want there to tell is. us about that? That is my cover. <laughs> is it just a, a paper printout? Did you it is a, a canvas art, painted canvas art. I nice. ordered it special. I uh, came today, actually. It was a lot bigger than I thought. but <laughs> So is that something you're going to be able to sell to your fans via your website or uh, with currently, POD cur delivery type services? I'm not sure yet. It cost me 50 bucks. So. Um, so there are services out there where you can upload the image and then they handle the printing and the shipping and they just give you a small kickback so you don't have to do any legwork. I would definitely do that. I've actually already had a couple of my fans ask me for some so i may actually do that's a good idea i was wondering i was that. yeah i was thinking maybe at the future giving that away at some point and getting myself a different one but that's a good idea i didn't even think of that that's a really or good you idea could, you could obviously buy them all yourself and make your daughter ship it out but yeah. I, don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know if that's going to work for you I but can. clearly this interview is winding down so was there anything about death the justice cycle that we didn't ask you before we wrap this puppy up they didn't ask me um, <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, please pick it up. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can get it on uh, Kindle. It's on Kindle Unlimited, and you can get the trade paperback. You know, and reviews, reviews, reviews. Please reviews. I, as I didn't we use yeah, as we used to say on the old podcast. Please be kind and speak your mind on the yeah. reviewing platform. Please, all my writer friends. Now I really understand why you were always getting on me to put reviews up. So, so, um, so Jason, where can listeners find you if they want to hear more about your wild, crazy insanity and your conspiracy theories and, you know, the flat earth, uh, oh, you're part of, you know, Oh, I love flat earth. <laughs> flat earth is great. Flat earth is awesome. That's All right. And, we... and we'll have all of these various links in the show notes. So check those out. We spend all of five seconds prepping these show notes every week. So, you know, make it worth our time. Ooh. And you can find us on our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades, anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades, Twitter at twitter.com backslash SF underscore fantasy underscore show, Sierra Foxtrot underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com, blasters and blades podcast at gmail.com. You can send the hate mail to Seska at blasters and blades podcast.com. <laughs> our Facebook group is facebook.com backslash blasters and blades podcast facebook.com backslash blasters and blades podcast and finally you can support the show over at buymeacoffee.com backslash author jr handley and uh, be sure to put in the comments that uh, it's for the podcast so we make sure we keep those two co-hosts well inebriated um i hear they're more fun that way uh, or you can support us on Anchor FM directly, which is a new feature they unlocked for us, um, which is another option. And all of those options are great options. So, Seska, bring us home. So, thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For the present Nick Garber and J.R. Hanley, I am Seska. This was the Blasters and Blade podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, things that go boom, and driving J.R. nuts. And you do that so well. You've got like a degree in it or something. Got yeah, two. <laughs> <laughs>